You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. This is the like most oh, enigmatic, just energetic, incredibly insightful, just amazing woman that I've ever met. And she is a licensed professional counselor. She's an author, a speaker. She as a mom, she owns her own private practice. I mean, there's this woman is just incredible. And I'm so excited to have Kim, her. I need this for my bio line and all my stuff. I'm keep going, girl. I'm gonna take I'm like, this. why are you interrupting me? Hang on, let me sing some more praises. She oh yeah. I'm gonna let you tell actually You're just good. some of the things. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the different things that you do. You have a Dear Survivor line. You have a book on surviving religious abuse. You have a religious abuse recovery Facebook group that's huge. I mean, just go. You go. I'm going to go. And I'm trying to think, Kim, did you even say my name in this? I'm not no. sure you did. Because <laughs> you interrupted me. I did. Yes, I did. I was kidding there. Oh, that is so great. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'll be happy to. I'm Connie Baker. If you can't tell, Kim and I are long-term friends, and we just have way too much fun doing this together. Um, Yes. Oh, I've got my fingers in a lot of different things, Kim, as you know. Uh, I love my private practice. That's my meat and potatoes in every way. I love working with people, and being involved in another human's journey is, is just a sacred privilege that mm-hmm. I I love. So, oh, yes, I have an online group, of, um, a Facebook group of, I believe I'm pushing 550 in this love group it. of religious uh, abuse survivors. It's called Overcoming Religious Abuse Community, and super happy to have all those survivors on their processing life and connecting, and it's just been beautiful. Mm. Um, I also have a subscription group that uh, of of survivors who are really doing some hard, beautiful work processing wow. their story and. Um, I give them assignments and, you know, they're really doing some hard work. So, so that's wonderful. Yes. And I have, I am in the process with a business partner developing, um, uh, uh, survivor love letters is going to be the name of our company. And we are, uh, getting messages out to trauma survivors, both physical trauma, Mm. as well as psychological trauma, um, at, we're, we're looking to line at everything from greeting cards to uh, mugs to calendars to whatever. So we're having so I much fun that. just giving messages of hope and affirmation mm. and validation to trauma survivors. So um, that's a really exciting 
piece of what we're doing. So, um, yes, I and yeah, my book came out last uh, June, uh, Traumatized by Religious Abuse, Courage, Hope, and Freedom for Survivors. It's on Amazon. So, yes, that's the quick things of what I got my fingers in. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love it. I was going to say it's been about a year since your book was released. Pushing a year. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love Quite that. Quite a journey. Yes. Yeah. And you were talking about trauma, which is such a, I feel like that's a real buzzword right now. Mm-hmm. And it goes perfectly into COVID-19. Yeah. Because in so many ways, this is a traumatizing time for people all over the globe and especially, you know, a lot of people have experienced wounding and trauma that they might have minimized or dismissed or said, you know, I mean, this happened, but compared to this person over here or this person, I don't have anything like that. So it's not that bad. And so they've been doing that. Yep. And here comes COVID. Right. Comes comparing suffering never works. And never. so something is going to rip that thing open. Yes. Which I think we're seeing happening. Yeah. And especially there was an article that was released the other day. I cannot remember if it was the New York Times, Washington Post. It was one of those mm. that was talking about how mental health is the next crisis. Oh, big time. And so I'm wondering if you can maybe kind of shed some light for us on this idea of trauma that is pulling up old trauma, because a lot of the, the stuff that we're feeling right now isn't necessarily about what's happening right now. No, it is. And it's not. It's this combination. What we're going through is a real deal in and of itself. Let's pretend that you've never had trauma in your life, which for most people, I'm going to say, eh, probably you have. But, but but some people haven't had really, I call it capital T trauma. Some people haven't, especially if they're young, in their 20s or 30s. Usually by 40, I figure some big capital T traumas hit you. Um, but maybe not. And so this alone is in and of itself, this COVID-19, the quarantine, the threat, everything about it is its own jolt. Let's put it that way. Even if it's Mm -hmm. not a trauma, it's a jolt to our system. Collectively, it's a jolt. We can't get away from that. And individually, it's at least a jolt. I, I have yet... I have yet to talk to someone who says there is not one negative fallout for me from this pandemic. I, I, and I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> and so far, I haven't heard. Maybe they're out there, but it's super rare that there's no negative fallout at all in yeah. this whole thing. So it's a big deal yeah. in and of itself. But what you're saying, I, I think, carries even more weight. And that is, it is going to, you know, we all have fissures in us, these, these cracks mm. in our psyche that on a good day, we're fine and not, no problem. You put enough pressure on our, on our brain, on our coping skills, and those fissures turn into cracks. Yeah. And this chronic pressure of COVID-19 on our brains is exposing fissures and cracks and widening them and, and bringing up, allowing old traumas to pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, an example I, I've been sharing about my life is that uh, nine years ago, I was in cancer treatment. 
um, and I was isolated for six days. Cam, you were around me at that time. In fact, you were my trainer and got me strong for that surgery beforehand. <laughs> um, but I was in isolation for six days, incredibly sick, while my family was struggling beyond. My daughter was falling apart, and I was radioactive, and I could not be around humans or animals, and I was dangerous to anybody. Wow. And so this, so COVID-19 and watching these people in the hospital be isolated and hearing these stories and even isolating ourselves, this theme brought up some of that old trauma for me, another layer yeah. of stuff that I'd already processed quite a bit of that, but I knew there were layers I hadn't. I'm like, whoa, there's one. So that's just like one tiny little um, example of how whatever's going on there are so many layers to this COVID-19 that it's going to punch our buttons almost for sure at some level. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think we're, we're very susceptible to being re-traumatized right now mm -hmm. and, and initially traumatized because this is bad. And for some people alone, losing your job, threat of losing a home, threat of, you know, if you have uh, a compromised immune system or health issues, these threats are huge. They're real. Yeah. And, and they're being talked about constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're being faced with them constantly, visually, you know, when we go out our home, uh, when we watch the news. So yeah, all of this is, uh, it, 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 there's, it's fertile ground for a traumatic response of some sort. Yeah. So with all of this coming up mm -hmm. and the feelings and the emotions that are coming up a lot of a lot of times especially what i'm hearing in my community is a lot of anxiety yes a lot of depression yep a lot of fear yes grief sadness yep that was next on my list <laughs> all of those grief all of the feelings and <laughs> There doesn't see. There seems to be a real lack of understanding what to do with those, other yeah. than try to minimize yeah. or just kind of cope. Yep. But I think right. that we're, you know, we're we're four to five weeks into this COVID. I'm going to say shenanigans at this mm -hmm. point. I don't even know what to call it. What 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 do you call it? Crisis. Uh, Crisis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pandemic. Like. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I think that what I'm seeing anyways is that the the coping skills that people are employing are starting to get old yeah. or starting to not do the job anymore. Right. So what if somebody's in that spot where they're like, I'm just sick of eating junk food. Yeah. I'm sick of not sleeping because I'm staying up so late scrolling yeah. social media. I'm sick of X, Y, and Z that I've yeah. been trying to do. And it's not working. And yeah. now I'm just depressed. Yeah. Like what, what's like the, maybe, maybe like the next step. Yeah. That's that someone a great, can take in that spot. That's a great question. And I think before I even answer that, I think part of the framework for that question, the, here's the problem with our go-to medicating behavior. The problem with it is it works and it works really well. Mm. Um, I, I told you this earlier, a couple of weeks ago when I was doing my worst, 
I, food and work are my two go-to medicating behaviors, big time, productivity and food. If I want to feel better, let's do this. And here's the issue. It works well. Drugs work. Those are my drugs. And they work fast and they work efficiently. And I, I, was, <laughs> I decided I was going, I wanted pizza. I don't ever eat pizza. I'm a fairly clean eater. Not perfect, but I'm a strong, I'm, I eat. I eat well as a general rule. I was dying for pizza and I could feel it. I'm like, I just need a drug. So we called out to, to Pizza Smicha, got, okay, if you know Pizza Smicha slices, these are not skinny slices. They're like, I had counted <laughs> three slices of this pizza. I just downed it. Did I feel better? Oh, heck yeah. And it was immediate. And our coping skills help us immediately. Now, follow this story through, I was up at, at 12 that midnight after I'd fallen asleep with horrible acid reflux and then was awake for a while and felt cruddy the next day. <laughs> would I do it the same again? Yes, I would. But I don't <laughs> want to keep doing that because it's hard on me. It's not good for me long term. So the problem with our, our primary coping mechanisms is that they work fast and efficiently as a general rule. If I bury myself and work all day and, and just kick butt and get stuff done, oh, I feel better. Well, mm -hmm. what if I'm so exhausted that my system desperately needs a break? Then I get sick. Well, that doesn't work well then for me. So, so switching coping mechanisms, I think, is first accepting the fact that a lot of our coping mechanisms, our, our medicating behavior work really well in an immediate sense of the word and they're hard to let go of because of that mm -hmm. they're super hard to let go of because good self-care i'm telling you a bath and essential oils and a massage is probably not going to make me feel as good as those three pieces of pizza did and that's Enjoy. unfortunate you know not as quick now i'm also going to feel better over the long haul for having done a little bit healthier self-care, <laughs> you know, but it's not the immediate payoff. And so let's just recognize that, accept it, live with mm -hmm. it. And unless, I also guess I want to give a lot of grace during this time, a lot of generosity to ourselves and others. Now there are certain, there are certain medicating behaviors that have immediate really, really positive and would you feel better, but they're really drastically destructive payoffs. And I, you know, my three pieces of pizza was not drastically destructive. It was not helpful for me, frankly, within five hours of eating it. It was bad. <laughs> but it didn't ruin my life. So, and so I want to make a little distinction there. But a lot of our stuff like Netflixing and eating and maybe even an extra glass of wine, if you don't have a problem with alcohol, you know, those things are not bad. They're not going to blow up your life if you only do them here and there, but they're going to get become a problem over the long haul. Mm -hmm. So I guess part of this is accepting that good self-care doesn't have the immediate payoffs <laughs> that medicating behavior does. It just it's doesn't. True. It doesn't have the quick payoff. There's truly nothing I could have done that would make me feel better quickly than those three pieces of pizza. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was just dang happy after those pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's worth the cultivating to say, how else might I help myself feel better? That's, that's, that's self-care. How can mm -hmm. I feel better? Uh, it, sensory, mentally, socially, there's all these 
realms of self-care. I actually made a self-care sheet. Maybe I can give it to you. Of different, different categories of self-care and options to say, what feels good today? Is it rest I need? Is it body movement? Is it aromatherapy? Is it tactile, uh, a warm blanket? Is it is something beautiful to see? You know, what, what realm? So we do, it does help to incorporate those. And I'm going to champion one here that we all know and you'll yawn and the problem is it works and that's body movement. Body movement helps. That's amazing. I know it does. And you know what? There's also a time to plop your butt on the couch and not yes. move. It's okay. But eventually your body's made to move and it's yes. probably going to help it to move somehow, be it a walk or just stretching or uh, I fell in love Again, I haven't run since the summer, but I've been running during this pandemic, and I've kind of fallen. It's what my body is needing right now. I used to do sprints. Mm. I, I don't want to sprint. I just want to go for a good 20, 30-minute run. This feels good. And mm-hmm. three months ago, I'd have been like, oh, that's not what I need. What do you yeah. need right now? So oh, I'm listening that. to that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. body movement is a big help. So, you know, we all know some of these answers. Uh, in terms of self-care, but just to throw a few things out there. And the issue over the long haul, it does help. It just doesn't have the immediate gratification that our normal go-to medicating behavior does. Did I even answer your question? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, you did. Definitely. So when the immediate gratification starts to have negative impacts, yep, and especially I've seen weight gain come yes. up over yeah. and over and over again in my community, right. I'm gaining weight because I'm eating so much food. That's not going right. to, now I'm stressed on a new level. Right. My body, my clothes right. don't fit and I don't feel comfortable in my body. Right. So that's kind of where I was getting to is like when those don't serve and you're exactly. like, okay, I gotta, I've been eating how- the I gotta stop eating the pizza. Totally. <laughs> kind of switch, like redirecting. Yes. I guess would be a better way. And you described it's- that perfectly. It's a, it is a redirection. And I want to say it's a gentle redirection. Gentle. It's, you know, let's not have it be harsh. Mm-hmm. I have an old voice in me says, Connie, what the heck? You are 55 years old and you still don't have any discipline in what you eat. What are you doing? When are you going to learn? When are you going to grow up? But you know what? Those three pieces of pizza I actually did fine with. <laughs> this time because I had been eating fine and I also paid a little price for it, which made me chuckle a little bit, not at the time afterwards, but you know what? That's life. I'm going to have pizza sometimes. This is, I'm going to live. Yeah. Now I, I need to remember that long-term self-care and good habits do really help me feel better. They just don't always do it right away. And sometimes they make me feel a little worse before. I, there are days I don't feel like moving my body. And I go, if I know a part of me knows I, it, it will help. And I go do it and I feel better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of investment and expense to self-care sometimes in terms of what we have to give to make it work. The yeah. pizza, that was easy. Yeah. And that's, that's medicating behavior is usually easy. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want, I want, I guess I'm really wanting a generosity and a grace and a kindness with ourselves and with each other because we are all coping with this in the ways we're all scrambling for survival at some level right now, mm. trying to keep our equilibrium. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love this idea of graciousness and just compassion for yourself. I think it's, there's such a, there's like this invisible standard that we should be doing X, Y, and Z right now. And really you and I had talked before we started about how really we're just being kind of pushed back into survival mode. And, you know, we're kind of struggling to control what we can yes and feeling out of control us having these like coping skills yes that are coping mechanisms you know the self-medicating ways to deal with our loss of perceived control yes can you can you talk a little bit about what it is in this time that it is realistic to control Yes, and really is to, to expect of ourselves yeah, and to control too. and to, yes, I would love to. I showed you this diagram earlier, Kim, and I'm really excited. And for those of us, for, for those of us who are watching this visually, I do have some visuals that I can share. But I'm also going, for those listening audio, I'm going to try really hard to describe what we're talking about here. So bear with me. Um, A lot of you may have heard, it's an old psychological paradigm of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And this was, oh, I think way back, I should have looked this up, back in the early 1900s, probably I think 30s-ish, I'm going to guess, I'm guessing, I don't know. I was going to say 40s, but somewhere in there. Maslow's hierarchy, Abraham Maslow said, we have a hierarchy of needs, certain needs we're going to concentrate on before we concentrate on other needs. And that makes perfect sense if you if you look at this. So if you'll visualize a triangle that looks like a pyramid, and this is a layer, this, this triangle has layers, and it has five different layers to it. And the bottom foundational layer in my graphic here is red. And it says physiological. And this is talking about, are my bodily needs met? Do I have food, clothing, shelter, medical care? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. Yes, (laughs) toilet paper. Oh, we're all focused. By the way, my husband scored this morning. Anyway, he went to the, uh, yeah, I'm like, good, because we're not low, but we don't have a lot. So it's like, yes, toilet paper. All right, those of you who are listening to this maybe months after this will can appreciate where we're at here on what is it April 18th we still want toilet paper anyways so we got the physiological need going on the nothing else really matters and our, our physical health is in there if we're sick um we're really concentrated on getting those basic needs met if they're not there if we don't have housing we're pretty focused if we don't have food we're really focused so here's the thing i'm a middle class white American woman who is incredibly privileged just due to that demographic alone. Mm -hmm. And those needs, I often don't have to struggle to figure out. So I, I, I want to acknowledge that there are people around the world in my town, in my country, Mm -hmm. that that bottom line of basic needs, they have to work with consistently to get them met. That breaks my heart, but it is real. So in my life, I don't usually have to put a lot of energy toward that red physiological strata. Now the next strata up on top of that is an orange uh, uh, band that says safety. 
that is where we go next. Once our basic needs, our, our, our physical needs are met, we go to sa- our safety needs. So for instance, I might be clothed, fed, housed, fine and dandy, but if I'm walking down a dark alley in a town I don't know, my safety needs are, that. that is the level that I am at. I am thinking about my safety. Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, we are getting bombarded with safety mm-hmm. messages. Yeah. We, it, they're all over. We watch the news. We watch social media. We go to the grocery store. We see masks. This is new. Everything yeah. is, I need to keep myself safe, and I need to keep my loved ones safe, and I need to keep the world safe. Safe is, is key right now with this pandemic. So we are functioning at that level when a lot of times... I'm not functioning at a safety level. I have a sense of safety. Now, if I'm feeling, if I'm going through some triggers from feeling traumatized, I, I go down to that level of safety. But as a general rule, just in life, my routine says I'm assuming a degree of safety. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the next strata, and then I'm gonna get, bring this back to COVID-19, but let's go up to the next one is love and belonging. It's this yellow strata. Love and belonging. That is, so you kind of see how this is going. If we have our basic physical needs met, then we have our safety needs met. The next need we go for is love and belonging. Mm -hmm. Who am I connected to? Who are my tribe? Who is my family? Who are my friends? Who is my support? And so this love and belonging is really foundational. It's it's only uh, less foundational than my physical and safety needs. Well, Mm -hmm. what's being threatened right now? Love and belonging. We're feeling disconnected. We want our tribe. We're disconnected from important people in our own families. We are, I mean, it is a, it, and we're doing, I love the innovation and creativity that people are using to connect but it is still limited and we're having to really put effort into connection. So there's that, that yellow strata, that third one of love and belonging. You go up one more strata. It's the green strata of esteem. How do I feel about me? Am I at peace with me? Do I like me? Okay. Now we're getting up into some areas that are uh, more abstract mm-hmm. and more internal. The other ones have been very physical and interpersonal. This one now goes more inward. How do I feel about me? Then the very top one is uh, a blue triangle at the very top that says self-actualization. So this has to do with things like self-awareness, creativity, productivity, organizational abilities, um, uh, things like journaling, Mm-hmm. Uh, processing previous hearts. Okay, so self-actualization is way up at the top. So you can see how these build on each other. If you're worried about, if I'm walking down a dark alley at night, worried for my safety, I'm not processing the meaning of my life and the purpose of my life and what, how I'm going to be contribute to the world. That is in self-actualization. I am way down at the bottom, uh, almost the bottom of that pyramid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So hopefully that little quick review. Bottom one is the physical. The next one up is safety. The next one up, love and belonging. Then is self-esteem and then self-actualization at the very top. 
Um, and these all build on each other. You can't, the, the bottom ones have to be in place for you to go higher. Mm-hmm. So all of these have to be in place for all these things we normally do, self-actualizing. Yeah. So this, I think, I think, Kim, this has such implications for where we're at. I think people, you know, okay, I'm just going to refer to social media. You get all these things. Hey, spend this time losing some weight. Spend this time organizing that extra bedroom. Don't regret how you've spent this time. Do something creative. And Mm -hmm. this uh, tremendous pressure gets Mm -hmm. put on us to live in that top blue triangle of self-actualization. All those things are self-actualizing. Yeah. And there is just no way that we're going to live there all the time, especially in these first weeks. Who knows as a corporately and collectively where we're going to go in the next months. But right now, I don't know anybody that's living in that blue place constantly. Most of us are being driven down at least to the orange safety level on a regular basis. And when we live on that safety level, we are not going to be self-actualizing or worried about our self-esteem. Mm. you know and I'm saying this for permission Mm. I was just gonna my you and I same wavelength today yes yes (laughs) yep so all of this is to give you permission to let go of these these socially imposed standards yes having your shit all together and to you know use this time to to make big leaps. And, it, and it's also permission too. If you do want to do those things, fantastic. I've seen a lot of this, Kim. You know, I look and <laughs> look on the media and social media and what some of my friends are doing, and they are putting out some creative stuff. Like, whoa. But those same people, I know well enough to know, yeah, that was three days ago. Today, they're back at the orange zone of safety and they're not making anything because their system is shot. That was two weeks ago, or that was (laughs) two hours ago. Mm -hmm. We're fluctuating very quickly um, within these tiers, within Mm -hmm. these layers of need. And so I've been in the blue zone a few times. I've been like, bam, I got something to say. Let's say this. Let's do it. And I've done some live broadcasting. But if you look at my record, there's about a week and a half to two that there was silence, mm-hmm. complete silence, because I was down in that orange zone deep trying to go, whoo, all right, I have to see clients. I've got to just function. And that's yeah. taking all my mental energy and my clients will say, why am I struggling? I have extra time. Da, 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 da. And I start listing all the changes that their brain is going through. And they're like, oh, that's why I'm down in the orange zone of safety. I can't, I can't function. And even if I get connected with friends in that yellow zone of love and belonging, I'll be like, during that time, I'm like, okay, that's all I got. I had to give some. I got some. That was a beautiful connection, but it took energy. And I'm back into that safety zone. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to say, can we just accept the fact we're going to be all over this chart? We're going to be all over this hierarchy, all over these layers at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. And giving yourself permission to just be where you're at and to, you know, take it, I think, moment 
by moment. I've seen a lot of accelerated anxiety that's happening because it's, we're trying to look ahead too far instead of staying present. And it's that, right. There's, you can't, and it doesn't, it doesn't serve anything. You're creating scenarios that don't exist. And so, especially the the networking group that I'm a part of, it's a a group of mom owned businesses, over 10,000 of them. And this is a conversation that's coming up over and over and over again is, well, what am I going to do next quarter? What am I going to do next week? And it's, can we all agree (laughs) to just be here to take it day by day? And if that's too much, if that's too anxiety provoking, hour by hour. Exactly. Minute by minute, whatever you need to do. Yes. And I love that this this hierarchy allows us to do that. Yeah, because wherever you're at, you're at. And you really can't control a lot of this. And for those of us who I call myself a recovering compulsive planner, which means I have control issues, right? I mean, right. if I'm always wanting to plan, that means I'm wanting to manage and control. Mm-hmm. And for those of us like me, this, this gaping hole, void this whole of the future is profoundly unsettling and 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 it it reminds us that we are not in control of a lot of things we're in control of and i've just really been trying to take this opportunity psychologically and spiritually to say i'm going to welcome that and -hmm. let it go i am i'm going to come back to what i know to be true and that what is true is right now the present and yes. and whatever I imagine for the future may or may not even be true on a good day, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And so, so sorry, yeah. no, I cut you off. Go. I'm going. Um, so <laughs> we do have some control. We yes. have a sliver of control. Yes. So for the people who are like, wait, Connie just took away all my control. What just no. happened? Mm-mm. You have control. What is the, and you didn't, that was, that was me. No, but it can feel that way, right? To say it like that. You bet. It can. So what, what can we control? Yes. Yes. And that is so important that we're doing both. To me, this issue of control is a dual process. Where, where am I living with an illusion that I can Mm. control? And most of the future, honestly, is a bit of an illusion. You know, and then again, I, I still plan because I think it's responsible, plus I like doing it. Um, I still plan, but I do it now in this stage of life a little more open-handedly. Yes. yes. I'm to- <laughs> open hands. Exactly. Yep. I do it saying I'm heading that direction. And if the direction changes, hopefully I'm going to have a little more flexibility and grace and adaptability to say, okay. I still am fine. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. Well, this is the third time you and I have tried to record this podcast. And, you know, both of us yesterday were like, well, that didn't go. All right. Well, next time. And I think probably 15 years ago, I'd have been like, that is so frustrating, you know? And it's like, Mm. why? It is what it is. So letting go. So that part, I do believe in that because we live with a lot of illusions about control, about things we can't. But the beauty is there are things we are absolutely in control of. I get to control my thoughts. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes feels out 
of range, but you really can. Yeah. And you can say, I don't like thinking that way. And you can start asking yourself, how do I want to think? I've watched with my clients this week, beautiful. They're, they're trying to come to grips with how overwhelmed they are. And they go, what do I do with this? I said, well, first of all, we sit with how, how hard this is. But I can also tell sometimes when their brain is getting unable to absorb and hold at the same time some of the beauty and goodness and positive things in their life. And so part of my job is I'm, I start saying, let's switch tracks for a minute. What's going right? What hasn't mm -hmm. changed? Mm -hmm. What's well in place? Because most of us have quite a list of that. But sometimes our brains get stuck, when, especially when we're really fighting for survival in this really negative, it's all going bad framework. So we have control of our thoughts. I guess that's the big picture to be able to say, how do I want to think about this right now? How do I want to view? We have, we have control over the framework, over the lens and perspective we bring to any given yes. interaction. Mm -hmm. Any given interaction. Yeah. I, we can interpret that as just about how any way we want. You know, you and I just <laughs> you and I just talked over something each other a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago. We're both like, no, you go, you go, you know, and and you know things like that. I could I could take that and say, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. I shouldn't I shouldn't have done that. I should have just waited for camp. I, I mean, I could go anywhere in my head mm -hmm. with that and make this podcast a negative thing mm. I could get hooked on that mm -hmm. and thank god I don't at this point in my life but it's an example where I go oh yeah. no that's just what I do I don't talk over people whoops clumsy me but the, two but this, threes <laughs> exactly we're two what threes only. what else can you handle so yeah so I can put a lens on that and just look at what I don't like yeah. Or I can say, this is great material, and for people who need this, this might be helpful. Fantastic. Yeah. And so in any given situation in life, we can, we can bring a lens. So those are things we have control over, and most of those things are right now. <laughs> They're yeah. not in the past. I can't control that. I can't control the future. But I, I can say, who am I? Where am I right here, right now? And, and a lot of times... What good, wonderful things are happening right now? I'm getting to do a mm -hmm. podcast with my friend Kim. That makes me happy. That's right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. I, I can live there. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I like how you said that you can control the framework of your thoughts. Yes. Yes. Because it is. It is a framework. And I think, you know, to, to add to what you said, that this idea of gratitude is like the number one antidote to anxiety, stress, mm -hmm. uh, worry, mm -hmm. all of the things that, you know, either consciously or subconsciously are happening for us right now. Yeah. Gratitude. Yep. And just even, I love how you said that when you see that some of your clients are in that space and they just kind of get that look of like, I'm frozen in the fear. I'm frozen in right. how bad everything is right now. Right. You know, what can you look around and see and even if it's the smallest things, breath in your lungs, yeah. your heart beating, even if it's just to get down to that, that micro level yeah. of what you have to be grateful for. And a lot yeah. of us have quite a bit. And, and I, 
And I want to say this, what I find with some people with gratitude is they start giving me an I should be grateful list. And, and I stop. Ooh. I go, mm-mm. Yeah, no, no, I should be <laughs> grateful. I have food. And I'll say, are you connected to that gratitude? Not really. Okay, let's get that off the list for right now. Love it. Now, do they know if it was taken away, they'd be grateful to have some? Of course. But I want people to connect with what is actual. What? Mm-hmm. What is actual? And it might not be some of the big things. Well, I'll tell you something. Something that has been so interesting to me this, this spring during this pandemic is I have felt desperate to watch the leaves. I'm looking at my leaves outside my window here. Watch the leaves come out on the trees this spring. It's been like this desperate and fulfilling beauty, like no other year I remember. Mm-hmm. I've needed nature to do its thing. Mm-hmm. I needed consistency. I needed to know that nothing is going to stop this. Nothing mm-hmm. is going to stop these trees from from putting their leaves out and becoming beautiful and new and fresh. That's something I have been deeply connected to and mm-hmm. grateful for, you know, it's something small, but it's been super meaningful. Mm-hmm. So how can you connect with those grat- those points of gratitudes where you go, I actually do feel good when I see that or experience that. I actually, when that person said that to me, that actually did feel good. I'm grateful for that. And when we're really depressed or really anxious, that can be hard to get to. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So jumping right off of that, how can people figure out what they feel connected to, what they feel grateful for, is that, especially when the mind is so Mm -hmm. busy and so overwhelmed and so overtaxed and we're just trying to like, I'm, should, you know, where the shoulds lies in the brain, not in the body, Mm -hmm. how can you connect with the things that you're grateful for and and the positive things? That's a great question. First thing that comes to mind is make it concrete. And that's usually writing it down. I feel Mm. like there's something powerful about making it concrete. If I just think it might, well, next step, if I just think it in my head, that's good, but it's, it's a bit, uh, it's Incomplete. a bit foggy. Yeah it, yeah, it evaporates quite quickly. Saying it to another person, I think, is a strong way to make it concrete. My husband and I have, a, especially during difficult times, we'll uh, have a habit of getting in the car, and if both of us know we're struggling, I'll say, so what's going right? Hmm. And boy, we tell each other, and we try not to do shoulds. We, we try to dig in our gut and say, what actually feels like it's going right. What is my experience here? Not what I should be saying is going right, but what really, and trying hard to connect with that. And then I think writing it down either, you know, on a computer, your phone, on a pad of paper, putting that down fairly regularly. What, you know, morning and evening, beautiful, do it. Every morning, wake Mm. up every evening. What? It's one of the first questions I ask myself every morning is what am I grateful for? You know, it's a, because there's usually quite a list. What? Mine is what day is it? But well, I like that. Maybe I, I have, can make that shift. No, I look for the date, honey. Oh, yeah. No, no. One has to look for the day of the week and the date at this point. Even if I go to bed like, Kim, tonight is, t- this is Tuesday. You just went through Tuesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday. I wake up. What day is it? Where do I need where to be? I? Totally. It's no. so true. 
all of us are just disoriented right now in that regard. So I think those are some ways. And if you have a hard time, I keep thinking while I have this conversation of some of my clients who actually find thinking anything positive to be very threatening. Mm. And that can happen to a traumatized brain. I yeah. cannot be starting to think of positive things because I'm going to drop my guard and get slammed. Yeah. I can't think of positive because if it, if it ends, the rug gets pulled out from under me and I can't yeah. bear it. So I'm going to stay negative. Well, that is an actual adaptive coping skill. The problem is, is that over the long haul is an IV drip of poison. Into our system, the constant. Now, I'm all about let's look at the hard stuff. I'm a therapist. I'm like, oh no, that's just hard. <laughs> that just is a sucky part of the of humanity. This this yeah. is just pain. But I look for the IV drip that adds a layer of interpretation of framework that's adding weight and pressure and extra suffering to that. So if you're struggling, if you go, I just can't see positive, I do think that's a time to check in with a professional and say, yeah. you know what, this is getting too hard. And my brain is not letting me do gratitude. Maybe in years yeah. past, I could, but I can't get there. I think that's your cue, you know, mm -hmm. to be able, because uh, we sometimes have some really understandable barriers to being yeah. grateful. Now, another set of the population, I just got to balance this. Another set of the population, the eternal optimist, the rosy colored glasses. The, the sevens. Yes. Ah, the world is beautiful. It's all good. Oh, it's hard, but I'm so grateful for blah, blah, blah. I usually sit with them and say, can we talk about where you're really at deep down? <laughs> you know, can we talk about the, the agony that you're really feeling that you're really scared of? And some people need more of that. And so, but other people, they're going to, some people are like, oh, I do gratitude all the time. Well, my encouragement to those people is it might be good to sit with some of the hard and name it, bring mm -hmm. a word to it, bring a body sensation, bring an emotion mm -hmm. word to that hard thing and let it be because our system actually lets it go a little bit easier and categorizes it easier when we say, oh, I'm grieving and I'm angry. Oh, that's what it is or whatever. It might be. So there's, usually, there's, you know, there's usually two sets of people and some of us go back and forth between the two, but we generally have a tilt toward, you know, awfully positive or, you know, or not awfully quite positive or quite <laughs> negative. Um, you know, we have, we have a tilt. Mm -hmm. So anyway, those are just some coping ideas. I love that. And I tend to be the, the pendulum. I go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And one day I'm like, yes, this is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I like Olaf in Frozen 2. Like, this is fine. Yeah. This will all make sense later on right now. Yes. This is fine. It's yes. denial. I'm good. And then some days it's like, oh, okay. No, we're, we're, it's not fine. It's not yeah. fine. Not fine. And I can't even see fine from here. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think what, is helpful for me that maybe you can talk about as we wrap up is body sensations. You said it. And we talked about this the other day on the podcast and I want to talk about it again mm -hmm. because I think that this is new for yeah. some people. Um, this idea that feeling that emotions are literally body feelings. They're body sensations. Yeah. Yes. And it's energy and it's vibration and it's, 
actually in your body, not just in your brain. No. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about how to both positive and negative, how to do both? Yeah. We we got a whole nother hour on body sensations. I know. But I wanted to challenge you. No, it's it's it is so (laughs) important and I agree. You know I I baited you with that topic just a little bit. Um, (laughs) I rose to it. Yes, you did. Um we I'm speaking from experience. About 10 years ago, in my cancer experience, my therapist pushed me and finally made me admit I have a body. <laughs> because my thing was, what body? My, my yeah. pain tolerance has always been extremely high. Uh, I learned that very young, not to feel body sensations. And so I just... I'm fine. My body's fine. Oh, I'm sick. Yeah, I'm sick. I'm going to work anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just cut myself open. That's a bummer. Woo. Yeah. All right. What what did I need to get done today? I mean, Mm. it was, you know, and so I had to learn to tune in to my body. And frankly, I kind of got mad at my therapist because I'm like, okay, now I don't have a high pain tolerance. Thank you very much. Wow. You know, and I have to feel actual physical pain now. But I also, I'll never forget the day. I'll get to my emotions in a minute, but I will never forget the day. It's a cold winter day, and I was in the middle of this, really trying to integrate my body and 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 sink into it and be aware of it. And um, and I remember uh, going to the bathroom and washing my hands and feeling the really warm water. And I was like, "Oh, that feels so good!" And I went, "Oh, oh my gosh, this is the upside." <laughs> you know, I, I get to feel positive body yeah. sensations and appreciate what's happening. Mm-hmm. So our bodies and emotions are the same thing. We feel emotions physically. We're not always aware that we do. <clears throat> but if you t- every every client I've ever had, I would say, where do you feel that in your body? And they will find it. Because yeah. that feeling of sadness or that feeling of joy or fear or anxiety or anger, it is embodied. Yeah. And we I want to honor that. And it's not just that you feel it. I just created a great list of body sensation words because there's a big variety. There's everything from, you know, buzzing to sharp to tingly to wooden to numb to dull to, you know, all these heavy, light, these Mm -hmm. bodily sensations that we have when we're able to, to recognize them and name them. There's something powerful that happens it's it's a it's it's like naming the actual emotion like yeah i'm i oh my goodness i'm really despairing that's what's going on i feel despair and to put that word to it is like oh it somehow makes it manageable yes it's still hard mm-hmm. but it's not this just overwhelming swirl of overwhelming emotion, you start naming them. Same with body sensations. Sometimes my body is very uncomfortable. I start going, okay, wait, where? Oh, yep, my shoulders, classic spot. What's happening in my shoulders? Wow, it's sharp. They're so tight, it's a sharp pain. You know, and that, okay, name that. Name that Mm -hmm. sensation, and it helps us release that and be like, oh, that's what's happening in my body. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it. And I'm, if it's okay with you, I'm going to put a link in the show notes and totally. 
below the video uh, to this list that you have. I just pulled it up and it's I'm going to do feelings so chart. I'll put, yeah, I'll give you feelings chart, the, the body sensation, self-care list we referred to Ooh, earlier, yeah. as well as this um, self-actual, uh, excuse me, the Maslow's hierarchy. I love that. So I yeah, love it. Let's, good resources. I love all of them. Let's do it. So is there, where can people find you on the internet webs? Yes. <laughs> the, the great land of the internet. ConnieABaker.com. Connie, A is in Anne. That's my middle name. Connie, A-C-O-N-I-E. Is it really? Anne. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Connie, Anne. Oh. Connie, Anne. Is, uh, so Connie, A, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, just like it sounds, uh, .com. You can find... Uh, you know, my Facebook page, I also have a page as well as a group and, and you can find all kinds of videos and resources on there as well. Oh, I've done a bunch of videos, a bunch of media presentations that are kind of amusing, if not informative. <laughs> I don't even, I'm just making a face, an incredulous face right there. They're all informative and incredible and amazing. And so you, which is... <laughs> Ah, it's fun. I've had a lot of fun putting, getting those up there. So yeah, hopefully something could be helpful. That's amazing. And we can find, what was the, remind us the title of your book. So if somebody wants to check that out on Amazon. Traumatized by Religious Abuse, Courage, Hope, and Freedom for Survivors. Beautiful. I love it so much. Make sure you head over to Amazon, check that out for sure. I'll put a link in the notes for the book as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Connie. Great. I love you. Thank you. And I love you, Kim. Thank you for the last three hours of your time. That's right. That this audience got one of. Oh, Kim, you know, I love you. I love what you do. I love your message, your hope, your permission giving, all of those things that you and I just connect on. And mm. I love all the beautiful, good things you, you offer. So it's fun. Always fun to be a part of your journey. Oh, well, thank you for reframing what I say and making it sound even better. So. <laughs> I love it. If you want to see more of Connie, you can actually go back to, I believe it's episode three or four of the Captivating We Confident it's podcast. really early. Yeah, we did a Facebook Live that we recorded mm -hmm. and put on there talking about guilt and shame. Yes. And that was a fun discussion. That was. Mm -hmm. We'll have to come back and do another one when this is different. Yes. They passed us. I will say different. Yes. You uh, bet. Yeah. That'd be really fun. Thank you so much, Connie. You, you are amazing. Oh, thank you, Kim. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time.